we're here with Miguna Miguna. Um, so I think we'll just go straight into it. Why did you swear in Raila Odinga on the 20th of January 2018? Catherine, that's an interesting question because I've answered it more than a thousand times. So I'll do it again. <clears throat> I was um, a candidate for election in Kenya in 2017. I was an, an independent candidate. I was not running on ODM. I was not running on Jubilee. So I was involved in that electoral process. And Rayodinga won the presidential election. I've made this point very clear numerous times. I saw it with my own eyes. Everybody knew he had won. The matter went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court happened to agree with my analysis and actually nullified the alleged victory of Uhuru Kenyatta. The Supreme Court then directed certain things to be done. One of them was that the IED servers had to be opened and um, people would know what the real figures were and then there were certain changes that had to happen before the runoff or the rerun in October. This was not done. So as someone who believes in electoral justice, substantive and social justice, and notwithstanding the fact that I had agreed, disagreed with Rayodinga, I opted to oppose Uhuru Kenyatta's deliberate decision to undermine the rule of law and electoral justice by imposing himself on power on Kenyans. So I swore Rayodinga in as a statement that might is not right, that electoral justice and justice is more important than our selfish personal interests. So that's it. Have you been charged with treason? I was charged with treason in February 2018. The matter went to court and the courts invalidated the charge. The court said the charge was incompetent and stayed it permanently. So the court said I was right there wrong. So then, not to, to anger you, but most Kenyans would ask you, and I see on Twitter, you engage them a lot. What's stopping you from coming back? You know what is stopping me, and that is why uh, you paraphrase it by I don't want to anger you because you know it would be irritating for somebody to ask you that when you know the people stopping me have not even denied that they are stopping me. Uhuru Kenyatta is stopping me with his facts. They have issued red alerts. They have denied me the right to board a plane to go to Nairobi. Most people don't remember, and I don't know what happened to the memory of some Kenyans. I say some because I think the majority do remember. Um, in March 2018, that is after I had already been forced out, but even not to go to March, in February, on the 2nd of February 2018, I was in my house, sleeping, 
like a normal person. When they came with explosives and they entered my house illegally after breaking the gate and abducted me. So the thing is, the court are saying, return him where you found him. Isn't that common sense? You take somebody from his house, you take him and abandon him in another country. And the court simply says, this guy had not committed a crime when he was sleeping in his house. Take him back where you found him. So that's number one. Okay? They have refused. Two, in March, I decided to go back myself because they had refused to obey court orders. And they had not issued red alerts. And I flew into Nairobi on the 26th of March, 2018. But they brought more than 100 armed uh, policemen to prevent me from entering. They, they abducted me again in broad daylight. Well, it was at night, actually. But the cameras were there. They tore my clothes. They stole my money. They actually stole my money. $1,500. They then bundled me into a pickup truck, drove me for about one hour in the tarmac, you know, the, where the planes uh, take off. They tried to push me into the Air Emirates plane. I, ref I refused. And uh, the captain also resolved not to allow them to force me into the plane. At that time, they... I had not booked myself to go back with the Air Emirates to Dubai. I was intending to stay in Kenya. And they detained me at the airport. And then on the third day, uh, the court ordered that they could not take me out of the country, that they had to keep me in the country and they had to release me unconditionally. The court actually convicted uh, Matiani and uh, Kiharangwa and the rest. Sorry to no, interrupt you. Let me just finish this. And they then sedated me and took me to Dubai, unconscious, without a passport. So, so this time they're doing it. I didn't have a passport. They didn't have my passport because I'd given it to somebody else. And they took me to a foreign country where I have no status and abandoned me there. So then last year, I made another trip in January and they issued red alerts and stopped me from boarding the plane. And they have done that this year. So you can see, it's obvious who is stopping me from going back home, right? And they keep on insisting that you applied for your citizenship in 2009. It doesn't seem to be registering with the government that you are Kenyan born. No, no, no. So why is it not registering? You see, the thing is, the question is wrong. The foundation is wrong. And I think, unfortunately for Kenyans, including yourself, who work in the media, it's almost like these people implanted something in your brains that the default is to blame the person they are repressing. The person who is being tortured, the person who is be being beaten up is the wrong one. The government, even when the courts have found the government is wrong, you still continue to parrot the government's side of the story. So let me, and I hope that you're not going to cut this out. The government said that when they, are, when they were forcing me outside, outside the country, 
on February 6th, when they were tearing up my passport. They claimed that the passport was acquired illegally, although now you are adding another angle that the citizenship was acquired illegally. Uh, I don't know how birth can be acquired illegally because none of us were there when our mothers were getting pregnant or giving birth. So maybe they don't like my mother, but my mother happened to not have left Kenya to Canada or any other country and she gave birth in a village called Magina. In law, you can't take that one away because you can't undo the birth. So I was born in Kenya. Nobody can deny that. I went to Kenyan schools. All right? So once you acquire your citizenship by birth, it cannot be revoked. It cannot be revoked by the state and even you cannot revoke it. Nobody has the right to revoke a birth. This is what the court told them on the 14th of December 2018. This is Justice Mueta. He said, Miguna is a citizen by birth. He remains a citizen of Kenya. His citizenship by birth cannot be revoked by anyone, including the state. Now, the second point is this. They have made this a propaganda thing. They have said, Miguna renounces citizenship. So you make the claim. In law, if you make the claim, you have to prove it. So then I said, bring the evidence to show I did. Notwithstanding what the court has said, I couldn't even if I tried. But if you are claiming that I did something that I could not have done, table it before the court. They were not able to table it. So if you go to court, you make arguments and you lose. The honorable thing to do, and they are losing to a person whom they have tortured, detained, and forced into exile. The person making this argument has all the instruments of power, including trillions of shillings. They can bribe the judges, they can intimidate them, they, they get what they want, but they couldn't even get this because the courts refused to allow them to twist the law. Because the moment you do that, it will not just apply to Miguna. It will apply to everybody else. If you today say that a state or the government has the power to invalidate a citizen's right, right that you obtain through birth, it's, it's, a, it's something you don't want to open. Because then any ten-pot dictator will decide. They did that in uh, Zambia. Remember when Chiloba took power? He said the former Zambian president, Kaunda, was not a Zambian, was a Malawian, and tried to deport <laughs> uh, a former president from Zambia to Malawi. It failed. It will never succeed. So that's what they are doing. So those arguments notwithstanding, the rule of law dictates that once a court of law renders a decision, if you are not satisfied with the decision, you appeal. They did and failed at the court of appeal. And they did appeal to the Supreme Court because they knew the result would be the same. 
So then you have to comply. You've mentioned the media and the chip. Do you trust the Kenyan media? I don't trust the Kenyan media. I don't think any Kenyan trusts the Kenyan media. Uh, trust is earned, and they have not earned it. Look at the many things that are happening in Kenya today. Uru Kenyatta has just taken over Uru Bank and has sold it out to investors. Something that Wangari Mathai fought for and was uh, beaten up and abused and from which she even obtained the Nobel Peace Prize. It's gone. The media is not raising the issue. You would not think that Uru Bank is gone. The Pandora's box exposed that Uru Kenyatta and his family have stolen and stashed over a trillion Kenya shillings abroad. It's not registering. When he went to the UN in New York, he promised when he comes back he would release a statement. He has not released a statement. Nobody is asking him any questions. That's the role of the media. I, I can name so many scandals. People are disappearing every day, extrajudicially killed. People are being tortured. Nothing happens. So you have a complete banana republic. What is the role of the media in that situation? If it was independent, if it was professional, if it was doing its job, it would be the mirror. It would be reminding those in power every day of what the constitution says. So when this happens, do you expect me to trust the media? Of course not. The media spent a lot of time attacking me. If you look at the cartoons, if you look at the commentaries, if you look at the reports, I'm the one they're attacking. I'm the innocent one. I'm the one who is, whose rights are being violated. The violator, the subverter of the constitution, is the one they are praising. I was in detention in the first phase for six days, I was tortured, and for each one of those six days, the court rendered a ruling under the habeas corpus application that had been made, ordering the state to release me unconditionally and or take me to court if they believed I had committed a crime. And they disobeyed each one of them. On the day I was forced out of the country, they took me to Kajiado. Remember, this matter was in Nairobi under the High Court's jurisdiction. They took me to a lower court, a magistrate's court. The magistrate said, no, this matter is in Nairobi, in the High Court. I have no power to preside over this matter. You must take Mr. Meguna to Nairobi within the next 30 minutes. What did they do? In Nairobi, they lied to the justice, um, Luca Kimaru. They said I was in the basement detention, that I was just going to come up in a minute. Meanwhile, they had taken me to the airport, and they were waiting to force me into a plane, which they did at midnight that day. Justice Luca Kimaru waited past 10 o'clock that day for me to be brought in as they were at the airport forcing me into a plane. So you see, the, the impunity is just unprecedented. Even Moy did not do this. Moy did not force Rayludinga into a plane to Germany, East Germany, uh, when he detained him. 
because Rairodinga had studied in Germany, and when he traveled to Germany, he had not used the Kenyan passport. Raila used a Tanzanian passport. When I traveled to Canada in 1988, I used the United Nations passport. They had taken my passport back as far back as 1988. And I could not have traveled to Canada even to exile. The United Nations are the ones who took me to Canada. Now, more than 30 years after, you are going back to that same thing. You are saying, look, Mr. Miguna obtained the passport illegally. So did I go and abduct the immigration officers at Nyayo House, at gunpoint, and force them to print that passport? Have they arrested the person who printed the passport illegally? Have they named the person? And another point I want to make, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on and on. Passport does not vest citizenship. That is how Kamraila traveled on a Tanzanian passport, did not make him a Tanzanian. Uburu just the other day said he traveled to Russia on a Somali, Somali passport, did not make him a Somali. John Garang, before he died, before he became the president of Southern Sudan, had a Kenyan passport. That's what he was using. Did not make him a Kenyan. Ngugi Wationgo fled Kenya to the UK on a Ghanaian passport. Mugabe, when he ran out of Zimbabwe, before Zimbabwe was, when Zimbabwe was Rhodesia, or uh, was it uh, um, Northern Rhodesia or Southern Rhodesia? I don't know. But Rhodesia? He traveled on a Ghanaian passport. Uh, Mandela traveled on a Ghanaian passport. A passport does not vest citizenship. So the fact that I'm traveling on a Canadian passport, for example, it, so these people would have expected that Canada would also do what they did. Refuse to, not, refuse to allow me to travel. Which is what they want. Because they took back my passport and destroyed it. Therefore, I should not be able to travel. But Canada is not a banana republic. But the fact that I travel with a, a, a Canadian passport does not make me a Canadian. And even if it did, does not invalidate my Kenyan citizenship. All right? And if there is a dispute as to whether or not Miguna should be considered a Kenyan by birth, revert back to the court. I'm a lawyer. But you see, they are preaching the law to me. And they are now preaching the law even to the courts. And they are saying their views that the courts have nullified must be the ones that prevail. What's your plan? My plan is yeah. to go home. I want to go home to be with my family, to see my house in ruins, to try to repair it, to try to finish some of the cases that I, I was forced to uh, not to finish, uh, to try to collect the damages that have been awarded uh, uh, to me by the courts. Did you ever get the seven million? I've never gotten a cent. And uh, all these thousands, tens of thousands of dollars I've been spending to try to go back, of course they have not paid me, they have not bought any of my tickets. Um, there are a lot of relatives of mine who have died have not attended their funerals. I just want to go home. And then I want to pick up from where I left, which is the liberation of Kenya. Kenya is not liberated. 
and we all must do our best to ensure uh, that we live in a free, democratic country governed by the rule of law. You're not afraid of an assassination attempt? You could be assassinated here in Berlin, right? Remember Kasha? He was killed in uh, Amsterdam, but he had run away thinking that he was going to be killed in Kenya. Where did he end up dying? In Amsterdam. Remember the Russian dissidents who have been killed all over the world? They were not killed in Moscow. Remember the Rwandese dissidents who have been killed in South Africa and other places? They were not killed in Kigali. You can die anywhere. If you're going to live in fear of death, when you know ultimately you will die, you will never be able to do anything. Yes. They know I don't fear them. That is why they are panicking. That is how come they are red alerts, which they have never done against anybody else. The moment they think I have fear them, they will not put red alerts. Because I will go back and they will kill me like a dog. But if they kill you standing up, confronting them with the truth, then you know you are dying a hero and they are dying like uh, cheap murderers. Yeah, so they want to reduce me to their level. And I won't. I won't allow them. Can you explain to us what a red alert is? Uh, so, so, I'll explain it legally and then I'll explain what they are doing. So legally, a red alert is issued by competent authorities, usually a police department or service, if an individual who has a warrant of arrest or who has escaped from lawful custody is being sought from the country that is supposed to punish that individual or try him. So say, for example, I have been charged in Kenya. And then I am told to go to court on Monday. And instead of being in court, I run away. And I go to Canada or I come to Berlin. The police department or the, the National Police Service will send a red alert to the Interpol, the International Police, to have me apprehended. The Interpol will then notify all the police departments in the world, plus airlines, plus everybody, that if you see this man, so they will have a picture, they will have your name, apprehend him, apprehend him and turn him over to the Kenyan authorities. That's what a legal red alert is. A red alert is never issued to prevent somebody going back to his country. Because if there was a warrant of arrest and you're looking for me, you should be happy that I'm coming by myself so that you can arrest me and take me to court. So in this case, an red alert is never issued by a country to an airline or to another country or to a private organization. It's always to the Interpol. Here, the Kenyans are used, misusing red alerts. They are committing crimes by sending my name and my picture to airlines to prevent it from boarding a plane to any African destination. It's not just to Nairobi. I cannot go to Kigali. 
I cannot fly to Dar es Salaam. I cannot fly to Uganda. I cannot fly to South Africa. The airlines have told me that. So imagine that is an abuse because I should be able, even if I did not want to go to Kenya, to go on holiday, say for example to Seychelles or Zanzibar. No, they have refused. So this is not a red alert. This is an abuse of a red alert. But the airlines call it a red alert. That's what they have told me it is. All right? Yeah. Lastly, your recent book, Treason. If you can just give us a synopsis. Uh, Treason just explains what happened between 2017 to the time I was forcefully exiled and how Raila betrayed the people because he had negotiations with Uhuru in October before the rerun and had already struck a deal without telling us. And here I was basically being put up there. He, he requested me himself because everybody else, he said, turned him down to swear him in. And I go there, it's like he was sacrificing me. He made me swear amen, thinking that I was doing it for electoral justice and for the rule of law when he had already struck a deal with Uru Kenyatta. And the idea was, you sacrifice this man, you capture him at night, you kill him, and then we can do a deal. They were intending to kill me. I was just lucky. So that is why when you see me attacking Raila Odinga, that is the reason. A person who can do that is not fit to head even his household. That is a criminal who should be in jail, together with the world. Thank you very much. Do you have any 